This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, we'd like to encourage anyone looking for help with their digital marketing to get in touch with Site Visibility. Whether you have a burning digital marketing question or you're looking for an agency to work with, they'd love to hear from you. Give them a call, plus 44-1273-733-433, or you can fill out the form at sitevisibility.co.uk slash contact or you can talk to either Scott or Sean via the live chat function on the site. They'd be happy to help. Now, today I'm joined by Lisa Ressler, founder at Big Click Co., calling all the way from Indianapolis in the US of A. How are you doing, Lisa? Great. I'm in Minneapolis. Minneapolis. See, I made a deliberate mistake to make sure that you were listening. <laughs> Is there a place called Indianapolis? There is. There is. They're separate places. Aren't they? They're probably thousands There's- of miles apart, aren't they? They are separate places, hundreds of miles apart, yes. What's the weather doing there in Minneapolis? Oh, it's a a lovely summer day. Really? Yes. Well, we've had 30 degree days for days and days in a row here in the UK, which is unheard of. And it's just started raining. Would you believe it? That's great. I didn't want to talk about the rain. Um, Let's start off. You tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing at Big Click Co. Well, I work with um, I work with PPC, pay-per-click advertising, and I work on um, AdWords, Bing ads, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, anything that has a cost per click. And um, I work with a variety of different clients managing their accounts to get the best results and help them meet their goals. I also do speaking in the industry and I write articles. And I think one we're going to talk about a little bit about today is um, on Search Engine Journal. Definitely. So that's what I, that's what I do yeah. for fun. Yeah. That's what I want to focus on today because I want to talk about um, how to manage pay-per-click. I can never say that fast. Pay-per-click. It always sounds like paper-clip when I say it. I know. Pay-per-click. PPC. I want to talk about how to manage that actually on restricted budgets because a lot of people don't have you know massive budgets unless you're a huge company. Um, but there's a couple of things I just wanted to uh, talk about first. Actually, uh, one of them is Google AdWords, which has sort of changed its name recently to Google Ads. And I also wanted to just talk briefly about Pinterest because I actually didn't realise Pinterest had a PPC offer, a pay-per-click offering. But we'll come on to that. Google Ads, or Google AdWords, as it used to be known, has uh, recently changed its... um, Well, I say recently, it's about a year ago, didn't it? It started to offer a different interface. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, they they basically released, built a a completely new version of the web interface. And so they have been um, allowing a PPC manager to use them at the same time. And so essentially people are switching back and forth because the, the two interfaces are quite a bit different yeah there's a lot of debate i guess among um industry people if they like the new interface better or if they don't because some of the features are not yet built into it and some people don't believe it's any it's any uh faster and easier to use so there's a lot of a lot of complaints about that but at some point uh, they're going to require that uh, we use the new interface Mm. A lot of people use uh, AdWords AdWords Editor, which is a different different software that you can use. That hasn't changed, but yeah. so that's interesting. 
What's your feeling about it, Lisa? Because it sounds like they're just going to move over to the new interface regardless of what anyone thinks. Yes, they yes, they definitely will. I personally don't think it's a lot faster and it's difficult to find things, mm. especially the stuff that's the, the things that are buried deeply that we are, as experts, we're usually giving people tips on how to find them. So yeah. now we have to learn where everything's where everything's buried. Wow. Now let's move on to um, Pinterest. I mean, I, I don't know, I'm sound really unintelligent, but I actually didn't realise that Pinterest had a PPC thing. I believe it's called Promoted Pins, Lisa. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. Um, it is the, it is it is very cool. Um, they recently opened it up to all advertisers. I believe it was um, in the fall. Yeah. And what is really cool about Pinterest is that these are people that have a shopping are in a shopping mode, a shopping yeah. and discovery and idea mode. And they're going to Pinterest to, to get these ideas and they're collecting all their ideas on these boards. Mm. And like I said, they're in a purchase mindset. So we're looking at, we're also looking at a consumers that are predominantly women and decision makers. So it's a great consumer audience. So it's, it's, um, there's a lot of home improvement and beauty and you know uh, there are so many different categories that appeal to that market mm. so i think it's i think it's really a really exciting opportunity because the also the ads appear in the context of regular pins so they're not intrusive oh okay i mean they're sort of mixed in with the regular pins are they yes oh, okay have you used the interface lisa is it is it fairly usable yes it is now, I wanted to uh, specifically, just generally, um, looking at pay-per-click, talk about how you or how a, how a sort of uh, manager would, how a manager would manage it on a smaller budget. And I know that you recently wrote an article, didn't you, about this uh, very subject. Um, let's start off with probably defining the challenges of having a smaller budget on PPC. Right. So... One of the reasons why I wanted to write this article is to ad- address some some of the challenges. And the first step in in determining the budget is to to take your take your budget and figure out what size of an account you have. Yeah. So basically, take the amount, divide it by how many days are in a month, and then you'll come up with your daily budget. A lot of times, advertisers will tend to not realize that they have that they're limited and they'll just they'll throw everything into the account and they'll put too many too many campaigns or too many keywords into the account and then it won't run. So the key is to first get an idea for how much budget you'll have per day. Yeah. And then determine how many campaigns you can afford because you ha- you, can, you can only divide it up so much. Yeah. And there's a few techniques you can use, aren't there? I mean, uh, you, you just alluded there to uh, splitting it up and sort of, I'm assuming that goal setting is is a very important thing to do here. Right. So if you're limited to a couple of, a couple of campaigns due to your budget, then you really need to think about what, what your goal is and what you're trying to do. So actually, um, in my article, I show an example of a small advertiser that's doing, that was advertising for scholarships, for um, school scholarships. So what we decided to do was have one campaign that was keyword driven and that was, the goal was to get leads for people to apply for the scholarship. And then 
the other one was a display campaign. So just two. Yeah. The other one does a display campaign. And that that purpose of that one is to get awareness of the scholarship program out and to make it in this geographic area, make it as visible as possible among the target market. So we're only focusing on two things right and in this account. And what about ways of sort of narrowing down the sort of um, the, the, the scope, if you like, of, of paper? I know that geo-targeting is one technique, isn't it? Right. So even if you are a national company and you have a small budget, you're a national company or international, you can't target every you still can't target every place because it will be spread out too thin. Yeah. So what is helpful to do is to um, think about maybe where your customers are more likely to be or where they are coming from now. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. So if you're looking at the areas where the majority of your customers are and then focusing on those areas and not including some of the ones where you rarely get sales. So that's that's important to do. But at the same time, you don't want to make the geotargeting too narrow or you won't, you won't, it won't run. So you have to, you know, balance that out and try a couple different things. You can even go down to zip codes, can't you, Lisa, on these, these geotargeting uh, approaches? Yes, yes, you can do, um, you can do countries, states, cities, zip codes, and radiuses around a, a location, which mm. is one of my favorites. Now, Timing, that's another way of restricting, isn't it? Because uh, is it possible to restrict the ads to certain hours? Does, is, is that a sort of um, bona fide technique? Def- yeah, definitely. Along with that, along with the geotargeting, if, you're, if your business isn't open on the weekends, if you're, say you're B2B, you're yeah. di- you work nine to five, just run your ads nine to five or eight to six. It doesn't make sense. They don't need to you know, run them in the evenings or the weekends. And uh, for businesses that, ha- you know, based on what their hours are, when their their calls are being taken, they're also, um, if they're open, if say it's e-commerce and there's something where the website's always open, they're always willing to take orders. This is something that they can look at their records and say, okay, when are people more likely to buy? When are our busiest times on the website? When do the most sales come in? So they can just exclude exclude the ones that um, are just are seeing traffic but not sales. In your article, actually, you mentioned uh, match types, which made my ears prick up a bit. It's, I have to admit, match types is something I'm not quite so familiar with. This is to do with focusing, uh, getting the keywords right, isn't it, Lisa? How do they work? Right. So you can, on um, keywords, you want them to trigger an ad, the most relevant ad from your account based yeah. on the user's uh, search query. So we have the we have the technology to, to to tell Google and Bing and say, okay, if this phrase is used exactly like red shoes, yeah, then we want you, you to serve this ad about red shoes exactly. But there's ways if we if we were to phrase match it or broad match it, it could also trigger for like red shoe laces, which we probably don't want. Yeah. So being able to manipulate the match types is important for a small budget so that they're not spending a lot of money on wasted wasted clicks. Um, they can control that also using negative keywords. Yeah. So if um, in my red shoe example, if we didn't sell laces, we could put laces in the in the negative list. So it would 
the ads would never show if someone was searching for laces. So that's a that's a powerful tool, and I would I would recommend that people spend as much time on the keywords as the, and on the negatives as the keywords because that can really save a lot of time and stress having to weed through those later. Yeah. Now, there are some specific things you can do, aren't there, Lisa, with, uh, on, on a small budget. I didn't realize uh, that you could do, certainly with um, Google Ads, you can do call only, can't you? So rather than being taken to a landing page, it just presumably displays a, a phone number. Is that how it works? It's a, yes, it's a click-to-call ad. So that can be a very powerful way for advertisers that don't either – don't have um don't have a, a great site or maybe you know maybe you want the um, customer to make an appointment that's a perfect way to just get them directly connected with you yeah and yes and those are mostly um, through mobile and people are you know obviously researching and on their mobile phones constantly so this is a great a great way to narrow down the account and focus on getting people getting calls in yeah mobile is such a big thing these days isn't it so i presume it's really useful if you can just like you put a search in then that pops something where you just click and it calls immediately right um if you're looking for a local business i mean how important is that yeah yeah and you also mentioned uh use display so uh, making your company appear to be sort of everywhere uh Mm -hmm. by using remarketing to website how does that work well, what what you can do is um, even with a small budget, and like the example I had of the of the scholarship, if the scholarship is in you know um, a put a, a specific like metro area, yeah, what you can do is target all types of local websites so that you're being seen locally by your audience a lot. Mm. Sometimes people think, well. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, it's too much. So you, you can actually like limit um, the number of impressions per person. Yeah. But you can also give this impression that you're everywhere, that you really have a presence. So people will be seeing your name over and over again. And that looks, that also looks good. It looks good at competitors because it makes them wonder what you're doing. Yeah. Makes them complain. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you like, mentioned- they're, they're, they're everywhere. What are we? We what are we? We need to do this. Yeah, the um, you mentioned tracking, and I know that we we talk about tracking a lot on this show, and it's tremendously important. I'm assuming that making sure that you setting that you set up efficient tracking is going to have uh, quite a big impact. It's going to make it more efficient, isn't it? So you're going to be able to do more with your budget. Right, tracking is is. One of the areas where um, small advertisers will forget about it or they don't know quite how to do it. It's kind of confusing and there's code involved and that scares people. Yeah. But it's it's important to um, get the tracking done and you can track so many things and the information that you get out of it can help you help inform some of those other decisions that you need to make. For example, um, you know, when people are buying from your site, when they're coming to your site, where the geotargeting is, things like that, that you can um, can help you to set and or exclude different things based on what you find in the tracking. But um, a really, you know, a really easy way to do it is to use one of the free tools like Google Analytics, and it, they have it very easily yeah. plugs into AdWords, and there is a lot of data 
in there. It gets tricky when you are talking about other platforms and getting that in analytics. But I mean, it's definitely worth it to, you know, if they, if someone didn't feel comfortable with it to um, have a consultant work with them, at least to get it set up, because in theory, you should only have to set it up once. Yeah. Just moving on to keywords, because um, keyword selection obviously is crucially important. I was just wondering if um, there's a, there's a, a a technique, maybe using longer keywords or, or long tail keywords. Is this a, a, a good strategy? It, yeah, it definitely is, especially if you have a smaller budget. So again, you can't do everything. And in my red shoes example, you probably wouldn't want to do bid on red shoes. You probably would want to bid on red Converse shoes. Yeah. something like that so that it has um it's more it's more um precise but it's not going to be as expensive as or generic as just red shoes so you want to look look for opportunities like that another thing that i will do that is helpful for smaller budgets is sometimes there will be core words and your c- core keywords that you really need to yeah. have yeah but they are expensive and so one thing that you could do is put high volume or expensive keywords together in one group yeah. so you can closely monitor them based on the the cost and the volume because if you put them in with the other keywords they could eat up the budget yes yeah and then presumably you can put a, a you know you can you can put a cap or a max bid on them yes 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 so sometimes sometimes um um advertisers with with smaller budgets have to prioritize unfortunately and say okay i really like these keywords but i can't spend 45 dollars for a click so i'm going i want to be present for it but i i just can't afford 45 dollars. so i'm going to you know limit my cost per click to ten dollars or five dollars and i'll just i'll take what i can get now, what about dynamic search ads? Because I know I'm guessing uh, they can be a bit dangerous, can't they? The yeah, the di- the dynamic search ads are great for larger accounts with a with a larger budget because they're they're automatically generated from the content of the website. Yeah. So there, Google's making them up on the fly. That's great if you have a big account because it, it takes care of some of the management for you. But if you have a small account, it's something that you might want to opt out of because you don't really have control over what they're doing. Yeah. And you really have to have a um, – you can tell them to scan certain sections of your site and exclude certain sections. But you really have to be very savvy Does that you know, to understand what, what you're doing, what you're including, what you're excluding. But if you can do that, that's, I mean, that's an option. Yeah. And then moving on to landing pages, because that's where we, you know, I say we, that's where the potential client ends up. Um, mm-hmm. How important is it to optimize those? The Yeah, the app, um, landing pages are, have always been a, um, a challenge for small advertisers because it takes, it takes resources to develop them and know, know how, how to integrate it with AdWords so that you have a good quality experience. And there's a matter of usually no one is no one's testing them or trying different things. So that that's important to look at how how it is matching up with the ads and the keywords. Um, what are the conversion opportunities on the page? If they want them to fill out a form, download something, call. However, you want to you know capture this information, and it has mm. to be a really clean and easy way for someone to convert and of course you need to track all that so but um what one of my again one of my ideas is hey if you can't do this then maybe um try the call only idea 
that we talked about earlier. Yeah. So if you had uh, one, if you had to select just one thing from all of those for our audience today, Lisa, one top tip, what would it be? I, the, my top tip would be when you're when you're working with a smaller budget, to to plan spend as much time planning as you do creating the account because it will be a, a lot more smooth sailing. So think about the the things that we talked about today. You know, understand what the scope is of the how big it will be, what goals you want to meet, how to how to laser focus the targeting, and then what the experience will be when you want them to convert on the landing page to spend the time planning to think through that and map that out before you get started. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. How can our listeners find out more about you and more about Big Click Co? Well, my website is bigclickco.com. And also I am on Twitter and my handle is Lisa Rocks SCM. That's a great Twitter handle. <laughs> it's old. I've been on there for a long time. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. The show notes are in the usual place, sitevisibility.co.uk slash podcast. And um, please leave us a review if you're enjoying the show. That'd be great. Um, questions and suggestions. The email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can tweet at sitevisibility. Remember, we have a site visibility group on LinkedIn. That's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Lisa. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. <laughs>